0: Log Talk Radio. I got on the block, charge that lunatic. Young girl, she grew up in a rush. Had it bad, no doubt, she don't know who to trust. Every man she ever loved, only want to cross. Charge oh, no. that lunatic. Ooh. But it's all crazy, hey baby. shot getting popped, the cops shut down the party. Jeans like low. i 17, first time, sifted up, about to have a job, charged that you became. Was just up in my single planning home, she did the
1: best she could, did it all. Met a man, but he won't raise a child that's not no no, oh no,
0: oh, no. Oh, oh, oh. But it's all crazy, hey baby, shots get popped, the cops shut down the party, jeans sagged low. we
1: Whatever, and keep the you Shalom, shalom, shalom. And Babaqua Tawab, which means good morning in the ancient Paleo-Hebrew. I'm your host, your friend, your brother, as always, Tazapah, and welcome to Bible Talk, y'all. The song we just heard by Jaheim was uh, played only for educational and entertainment purposes, and it is not, I repeat, not for us at Bible Talk to receive any financial donations or any financial compensation for that song. All right. So with that said, y'all, I hope everybody is healthy. Hope everybody's having a good week uh on this eve of Hanukkah, y'all. So tonight at sunset, we are going to celebrate <clears throat> Hanukkah, the first day of Hanukkah. Hanukkah lasts for 8 days, y'all. Today this evening would be the first day of Hanukkah on the eve, y'all, all right? I want to send shouts out to all our affiliated schools. The brothers here in San Antonio, led by Awar. The brothers in H Town, led, led by Quatzazop. Also, um, the brother um, Kazakia up in Virginia, Zainala in Rochester, Caboclo uh, down in Guatemala. Uh, shouts out to our brothers and sisters in Canada, Atlanta, and California. And I can't forget our crew, our brothers, uh, Brother Ice and the rest of the crew out in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And shout out, man, to the 12 tribes scattered worldwide, man. Shout out to you brothers and sisters in Shalom, man. I hope, like I said, everybody's healthy. I hope everybody's in good spirits. Um, COVID is still in effect, still circulating, man, through the public uh become a normal occurrence now. So I hope everybody is um, getting out, man, and getting some exercise. Keep their blood circulating. Uh, boosting their immune system. And I hope you're on your supplements, man. Right, you at least got your COVID cocktail going on. All right, y'all. Um, let me go ahead and get into the show. Excuse me for a second, y'all. I got some. Mm. Ooh, my teeth. <clears throat> so this is a topic, man, that um, was brought to my attention. Matter of fact, give me a second, y'all. I was send this out earlier. Let me shoot this out real quick.
0: Mm. <coughs>
1: I'm still here, y'all. I'm sending this out. I need to call and check on this brother too now. I know y'all used to me, um, used to me doing the show in the evening, man. Um, but I got freed up today to where I could do it like I originally had set it up for, which was to do the show in the morning. So, I am back, man. At least this week anyway, y'all. Uh, I got wrapped up in the man, and see what we're going to do for next week, whether or not we're going to continue doing the shows, uh, in light of the festivities of Hanukkah. Um... So let me get to this. This is Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. All right, this is the prayer we need to be sent up on the daily, off so we can get the hell on. All right, let's get Psalms chapter 118 and verse 24. just go ahead and dive into the topic, y'all. So this morning's topic is purification. And this is episode eleven of FYI, which is means for your information. And this is the topic that was brought to my attention um by one of my brothers, man. Um and he was telling me that uh which I didn't know that his son had been um talking about this uh topic <laughs> real heavy real heavy like and um was not according to scriptures y'all and i'm referring to the topic of baptism man the topic of baptism And we walked over this topic countless times, man. Countless times, countless times. So what I wanted to do was to go back into it and to bring some some more edification out on the topic of baptism. That's why I titled the class Purification because that's actually what baptism is, man. It's a purification process. So let's go ahead and dive into it, y'all. Let's get Mark chapter 1, and we're going to start verse 8. <clears throat> now, this is where everybody gets the concept of baptism from. It's contained in the Gospels, starting with John the Baptist. He's like the centerpiece for the word. The same The uh, Doing of baptism So Mark chapter 1 and Verse 8 I indeed Have baptized you With water Now this is what John is saying I'm baptizing you With water But he Shall baptize you With the Holy Ghost The he he's referring to Is Christ And he's letting us know In this verse That there's two different types of baptisms. I mean, it's plainly there. It's seen there. Let's read it again. I indeed have baptized you with water. Now, this is the baptism that he was doing. He's letting us know, hey, yeah, I'm baptizing, I'm using water. Now, listen to this second part, though. But he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. So here we see there is a difference between the two baptisms. One is going to be with water. The other is going to be with what he said is the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. All right. So let's go to St. John chapter 3. And we're going to read verse 23. So what we gain from Mark 1 and 8 is that two different types of baptism. So let's go to St. John chapter 3. And verse 23. And it reads, And John also was baptizing in Enon near Shal- uh, Salem, because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized So he was baptizing At this place uh, Enon That was near Shalem And they said he was baptizing people there Because there was much water there So here we see again John the Baptist Doing his water Baptism Alright so let's get Acts chapter 8 verse 38 Acts chapter 8 verse 38 And it reads And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. So here we have Philip baptizing, doing the same type of baptizing that John the Baptist did, the water baptism. All right, let's go to Acts chapter 11 and verse 16. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water. I believe this is Peter speaking. He says, then I remember, he says, then remember I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, which he did. There's such thing as a water baptism. But listen to this. But ye shall be baptized the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. So once again, showing that there's two different types of baptism. There's the water baptism by water. Then there's another type of baptism that's by what's known as the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. I want us to see this. I want us to understand this. Before we can move on, man, get a good fundamental understanding of the two baptisms. Now, let's see why John was using water to baptize. Let's go to Exodus chapter 29. Why was John the Baptist using water to baptize people? We're going to Exodus chapter 29, y'all. And we're going to start at verse 1. We're going to read uh, quite a bit of this, y'all. Exodus chapter 29, verse 1. And this is the thing that thou shalt do unto them to hallow them, to minister unto me in the priest's office, to hollow means holy, to holify, to purify people. To minister unto me in the priest's office, take one young bullock and two rams without blemish and unleavened bread and cakes unleavened, unleavened temperate with oil and wafers unleavened anointed, I'm sorry, and wafers unleavened, anointed with oil, of wheat and flour shall thou make them. And thou shalt put them into into one basket, and bring them in the basket, with the bullock and the two rams. And Aaron and his sons thou shalt bring unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and shall wash them with water. So this is the Most High, instructing Moses to clean or sanctify or to holy or hollow the priests. He says the sons of Aaron, we know, were the Levites. Aaron himself was a Levite, so it was Moses. So this is the process to, ho- to uh, hollow, to holy, to holify or to purify these priests. It was a process of things that had to be done. And this was one of them. We read it again, verse four. This is the way I want to key in it. And Aaron and his sons shall 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 and Aaron and his sons thou shalt bring unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And shall wash them with water. Alright. So you ask why was John the Baptist baptizing with water? Because this was a process that the priests would do to clean themselves up. And we're going to find out also to clean the people up. All right, reading on verse 5. And thou shalt take the garments and put upon Aaron the coat and the robe of the ephah and the ephah and the breastplate and and gird him with the curious girdle of the ephah. And thou shalt put the mitre upon his head, and put the holy crown upon the mitri, Then shalt thou take the anointing oil, and pour it upon his head, and anoint him. Can you cut that off? Verse 8. And thou shalt bring his sons, and put coats upon them. And thou shalt gird them with girdles, I'm sorry, with girdles, Aaron and his sons, and put the bonnets on them, and the priest's office shall be theirs for a perpetual statue. Perpetual means forever. Statue means a law. Now listen to this. And thou shalt consecrate Aaron and his sons. To consecrate means to set apart. Matter of fact, let me get this too. Give me just a second, y'all. So to consecrate means to dedicate to a sacred purpose. So that's one of the definitions. It says, to induct a person into a permanent office with a religious right, to make or declare sacred. Let me see. All right. So, here are the synonyms. This is what I'm looking for. So, a couple of the synonyms for consecrate is hollow, sacred, and sanctify. Sanctify, that's the word I want to key in at. to sanctify, all right? Now, why I want to key in on that word. Hold on for a second y'all. These uh you know, good shop if you I see you on your right, Send me a good definition for uh baptize. Mm-hmm. Cause we got some consecrate It talked about uh, sanctification. Matter of fact, let me get that one. Hold on, y'all. I'm looking for a definition real quick. All right, here we go. So the definition, one of the definitions for sanctify means to set apart to a sacred purpose or religious use. Then it has up under it, consecrate. So the consecrate is the same as to sanctify. Now, we got here from this verse right here in Exodus chapter 29, verse 9. And thou shalt girt them with, with uh, girtlets, Aaron and his sons, and put the bonnets on them. And the priest's office shall be theirs for a perpetual statue, and thou shalt consecrate or set apart for religious use. It says Aaron and his sons. So the priest were to be set apart. Now, this is the second definition for consecrate. Oh, I'm sorry, sanctify. It says... To free from sin. It says purify.
0: Purify. I ain't got no good ones.
1: I don't see any good ones for that one. We don't get back into that anyway. Let's... um, Let's jump to Exodus chapter 30. All right, what I want us to take from what we just read in Exodus chapter 29, verses 1 through 9, that water was being used to consecrate, to uh, purify, to make hollow or holy these priests. All right, that's what I want us, uh, want us to take from that in the verses we read. Now let's go to Exodus chapter 30. Exodus chapter 30. We're going to start at verse 16. Thou shalt take the anointment money of the children of Israel and shalt appoint it for the service of the tabernacle of the congregation that it may be a memorial unto the children of Israel before the Lord to make an atonement for your souls. Verse 17. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Thou shalt also make a layer of brass And his foot also of brass To wash with all. And thou shalt put it between The tabernacle of the congregation And the altar And thou shalt put water Therein So here we go again With water being used To clean something up And this is concerning The priest and we're going to find out Also concerning the children Of Israel Reading on. For Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet therewith. So here we see again water being used to clean things up. Verse 20. When they go into the tabernacle of the congregation, they shall wash with water that they die not. Or when they come near to the altar to minister, to burn offering made by fire unto the Lord. So they shall wash their hands and their feet. I hope you all see how water keeps being used, washing, being clean. All of this just keeps being reiterated. This is in the Old Testament, mind you, that they die not. And it shall be a statue forever to them, so a law forever. It says, even to him and to his seed throughout their generations. Moreover, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take thou also unto thee principal spices of pure myrrh, 500 shekels, and of sweet cinnamon, half so much, even 250 shekels, and of sweet calamus, 250 shekels. So the only, water was not the only thing that was being used to purify or to sanctify the priests and the people. I want us to understand that also. Verse 24. And of cassia, five hundred sickles, after the shickle of the sanctuary, and of oil, olive and hen. and hen, verse twenty-five. And thou shalt make it an holy, I'm sorry. And thou shalt make it an oil of holy ointment, and an ointment compound after the art of the uh, uh, apothecary. I always jacked this word up. Apothecary. It shall be an holy ointment. I'm sorry, a holy, a, a holy anointment oil. And thou shalt anoint the tabernacle of the congregation wherewith and the ark of the, tes, of the testimony and the table and all his vessels and the candlesticks and his vessels and the altar of incense and the altar of, of burnt offerings with all his vessels and the laver, I'm sorry, the laver, the laver. I shall sanctify them Sanctify, clean them Wash them up, purify them Remember, water was being used to do all these things Now, in verse 28 Let's read this again That's I want to bring out: And the altar of burnt offering With all his vessels And the labor and his foot So, what is a labor? Let's go to the Donovan Compact Bible Dictionary Page 319 to get what a labor is compact zondervan bible dictionary definition of labor it says pot basin a vessel containing water Huh, you don't say. <laughs> Once again, water being used. It says, located between the altar and the door of the tabernacle, at which Jewish priests wash their hands and feet before ministering. And it cites Exodus chapter thirty, the chapter that we in, verse seventeen through seventeen through twenty-two. It says, had typical meaning signifying now listen to this. read it again but let me slow down had typical meaning signifying baptism as a cleaning from sin it didn't say that the water was going to clean you up from sin it says that this water was signifying baptism as a cleaning from sin, signifying. It was symbolic. Water being used to clean things up was symbolic of us cleaning our spirits up, cleaning our minds up, cleaning our conscience up. I want us to understand this. All right, it says, read it again had typical meaning signifying baptism as a cleaning from sin. It cites Acts 2.38, Acts 22.16, 1 Corinthians 6.11, Ephesians 5.26, Titus 3.5, Hebrews 10.22, 1 Peter 3.20. It says the need of daily purification. I'm going to let this sink in. The need of daily purification before approaching the Lord. So how often are we supposed to be purifying or cleaning up ourselves on the daily? So what does that look like, y'all? Uh, that pretty much looks like a shower. <laughs> that pretty much looks like a bath. That pretty much... And, and don't get it twisted, y'all. It don't look like, let me just hit the hot spots. <laughs> no, it don't look like a whole bath. No, wash your, your tail. You ever heard the saying, and they used to say it a lot, it's not in the Bible, <laughs> but it was a common saying. People would say that cleanliness is godliness. You wonder where they got it from. It comes from the Bible. Wash your tail, man. Wash your butt. How you gonna pray or come to the Most High or be even thinking of the Most High and your body's not clean? It's just like you, I'm gonna go here. It's just like you just got through doing the do with your woman and all y'all got, both of y'all got fluids all over y'all and y'all still in the bed and y'all like, hey, and your husband's like, hey, let's send these prayers up to the Most High. And you in the wet spot, y'all going to really pray to the Most High like that? Y'all just come to the Most High any old kind of way? No, wash your tail. You know the thing that I'm having to get in behind my um, teenage boy and my 10-year-old boy about <laughs> washing up? Wash your tail, man. Anyway. What I want us to take from this is that water is symbolic for us cleaning our conscience up. You can't come to the most high any old kind of way. Clean your body. And that, that is supposed to, um, what's the word I'm looking for, translate into you cleaning your mind. That's what the water was all about. Because you know how we are, man. We're literal people. To say we won't just Understand hey you got to clean your mind up It's got to be something added Along with it to keep us Conscious of clearing our minds Once again water is symbolic All right so that was the definition For uh, labor Now let's go Back to Exodus chapter 30 And what Verse were we in We were in verse 28 and we're going to read on the 29. Oh, excuse me. Verse 28. And the, altar of, and the altar of burnt offerings with all his vessels and the labor and his foot. And thou shalt sanctify them, clean them, or baptize them, that they may be most holy. Whatsoever toucheth them shall be holy. And thou shalt anoint Aaron and his sons, and consecrate them, consecrate, set apart, purify, that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. And thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel, saying, This shall be a holy anointing oil unto me throughout your generations. That was verse, oh, yeah, we're only supposed to read 29. Cool. All right, now, with that understanding, y'all, that water was symbolic, let's go to Mark chapter 7. So to Mark chapter 7, we're going to start at verse 1. Mark chapter 7, verse 1. Then came together unto him, and him is Christ, the Pharisees and certain of the scribes, which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with, with the defiled, that is to say, with unwashed hands, they found fault. So here are the Pharisees who were the rulers that were in charge. They did all the offices of of the priest that we just read about in Exodus chapter twenty nine, Exodus ch- chapter thirty. They did all these things, and they they wouldn't eat unless they would wash their hands. Hence, what we just read in the Old Testament, everything had to be clean. So they kept that tradition going, and they found fault in Christ's disciples because Christ's disciples. Was eating and they didn't wash their hands They didn't purify themselves They didn't sanctify themselves They didn't clean themselves up So they found a fault with them Read on verse 3 For the Pharisees and all the Jews Meaning all of the Israelites So it wasn't just the Pharisees Now listen to this Except they washed their hands off often Eat not Now listen to this Holding The tradition of the elders. What elders? The ones we just read about in Exodus chapter 29, Exodus chapter 30, those elders. So they kept that going. Even to the time during the New Testament, under the Roman captivity, they kept this going. I hope y'all see this. This is where, the whole baptism thing comes from. So John the Baptist was not doing anything new. I hope y'all can see this. John the Baptist baptizing, washing people, purifying people, sanctifying people in water was nothing new. I want us to understand this. All right, let's go to Luke. We're going to stay in the New Testament Luke chapter 1 We're going to jump around a little bit Luke chapter 1 verse 5 There was in the days of Herod The king of Judea A certain priest named Zacharias A certain who? A certain priest So Zacharias was a Levite He came from a priestly lineage it says of the course of Abia. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron. And guess what? His wife also was a Levite. And her name was Elizabeth. Now, this was Mary's cousin, Christ's mom's cousin. All right, just side note. Now, let's jump down to verse 13. It says, But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Thy wife, Elizabeth, shall bear thee a son and thou shalt call his name John. So this son is in question here would later be known as John the Baptist. All right? Now, what was his father? His father was a priest because he was a Levite. So that would make John the Baptist uh, also a what? A priest, a Levite. And what was the Levites doing back in Exodus chapter 20, Exodus chapter 30, They were washing people with what? Water. I want us to understand this. So let's jump over to verse 24. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus had the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. So she conceived, she had John the Baptist, he was born. Now let's go to verse 57. Now Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered, and she brought forth a son on my back. This is when she actually had him. The other verse, verse 24, is when she conceived, when they made him. So now John the Baptist is being born in verse 57, verse 58. And her neighbors and her cousins, her now, I'm sorry, her house, the Lord has shewed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. And it came to pass that on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. So they were trying to name him after his dad. And his mother answered and said, Not so, but he shall be, he shall be called John. And they said unto her, there is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. And they made signs to his father how he would have how he would have have him called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote saying his name is John. And they marveled all. So this is John the Baptist, a priest, because his dad was a priest. And this is why John the Baptist was baptizing with water, because the priests baptized with water. All right, and we already read in Mark chapter uh, one, I'm sorry, Mark chapter seven, that all of Israel was familiar with washing. All right, so this was nothing new. That's what I want us to get from this: nothing new, and why John the Baptist was using water to baptize people. It was something that we all, as Israelites, were familiar with. All right, so let's get Numbers chapter 8. Numbers chapter 8 and verse 6. Numbers chapter 8, verse 6. Take the Levites from among the children of Israel and cleanse them. Y'all see this, right? Verse 7. And thus shalt thou do unto them to cleanse them. Sprinkle water of purifying upon them. I hope y'all see this. And let them shave off their flesh and let them wash their clothes and so make themselves clean. Here it is. Water being used to do what? To clean your body up. The water was being used to clean the priest's body up, got them shaving their hair off, they had to wash their body, they even had to wash their clothes in order for them to be clean. Once again, water, yes, is a cleaning agent, but it was being used symbolically, symbolically, y'all, for us to clean up our conscience. This is why the Most High used something we knew about, we were familiar with, bathing numbers chapter 19 verse 17. you know it's like when you got to have a conversation with children that conversation when when children are maturing and what what do they refer to that conversation as the conversation about the birds and the bees. Why do we use that analogy? What are we really talking about? We're talking about conception, intercourse, how, how they got here. <laughs> talking, how do kids get here? Or how did I get here, mommy? How did I get here, dad? You got to have that tough conversation, that tough, exclusive, grown-up conversation has to be dumbed down on a child's level. You have to give them something that they know about, that they can relate to, such as what? Animals <clears throat> and insects. That's what children are familiar with. They've watched National Geographic, or they've been to the zoo before and seen animals on top of each other. Hell, if they ain't been there, they see seen two dogs, Getting it getting it in, getting it on. So they're familiar with that. So you can use terminology or language like, Hey, you remember when um the neighbors dogs the dog was on top of the other dog? Oh yeah, I do remember that. Oh well that's what my mommy and daddy did and that's how you got it. <laughs> Tough conversation nobody wants to have with their kids. But we use things that they're familiar with to get them to understand what we're talking about, so we don't have to talk so literal the most high did the same thing with us we're his we're his kids right <laughs> and we learn on a on a child's level man for as grown and as intelligent we think we as, as we think we are <laughs> we ain't we are still very immature in the mind about a lot of things. And this is one of the things that we're immature about, the concept of baptism. The water was being used as a symbol for cleanliness so we might clean our conscience up, our minds. All right. Number chapter 19, verse 17. And for an unclean person... They shall take up the ashes of the burnt heifer of purification for sin. Now, why we don't use ashes? <laughs> Could we use ashes, too. <laughs> why ain't nobody walking around with ash on their head or getting dumped in a tub of ash, ashes? Because that's in here, too. That's part of purification. That's part of sanctification. Why we ain't doing that? Anyway let me read it again from the top Numbers chapter 19 verse 17 And for an unclean person They shall take up the ashes Of the burnt heifer of purification For sin And running water Shall be put into I'm sorry thereto In a vessel Once again what's being used to clean up Clean things up Water Hope y'all seeing this Now We got all this stuff about water. I hope y'all can understand the concept and why the Most High used water to get us to comprehend that this water was symbolic of us cleaning our minds up. Now, the question is, does water make you mentally and spiritually clean? That's the question. We got to ask ourselves. So let's get some answers. Let's go to Second Kings chapter five. We're going to start at verse one. We're going to read quite a bit of this, y'all, but there's a point I want to get to. Just bear with me. So 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. Now, Naaman, captain, or Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. Now, if you're unfamiliar with what a leper is, it means that you have lost your pigmentation. You have lost your melanin in your skin, and you, you turn white. Miriam had it. You read about that in Numbers chapter 12, I believe. All right, so reading on, this king had leprosy. He was a leper. He lost his color. Verse 2. And this once again shows you that most of the people in this book were people of color. Alright? Even though he's from a different nation, he still was a man of color. Verse 2. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captives out of the land of Israel, a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. So this is a Israelite lady that was took in a captivity during the Syrian captivity. She was took his Israelite woman. She's waiting on Naaman's wife. Verse three. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he will recover him of his leprosy. She like, hey man, you need to go get a prophet, <clears throat> this prophet will help you help your husband or help the king. Get rid of this leprosy. Verse 4. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go, two, go. And I I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of raiment. So the king got wind of this. And he said, man, look, okay, I'm going to send this letter and I'm going to send a bunch of money and gifts to this king so he might send me a prophet, so I can get rid of this leprosy. All right, verse 6. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. Okay, so it was Naaman that had the leprosy. Verse 7. And it came to pass, when the king of Israel had read the letter, that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive? So the king of Israel was like, man, who am I? Am I the most high? I can't perform this for you. I ain't got that type of problem. And this man do send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy. Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. So the king of Israel is believing that this king of Syria is trying to set him up so he might have a reason to have some beef with him. But that ain't the case. He was sincere. Verse 8, and it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard uh, that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying,
0: Wherefore
1: hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me. And he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. He's like, man, why are you tripping? Well, let me go to and holler at the dude. I'm the prophet he's looking for. I got your back, king. Verse 9. So Naaman came with his horse and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times. So what did Elisha tell this dude to do? To go wash his butt, go wash his tail, where? In the River Jordan seven times. Hey, man, go wash up. He told him to go get into some water. You see his water, right? Okay, read on. And thy flesh shall come against thee, and thou shalt be clean. So what was going to clean this dude of his leprosy? Water right so that's what we're thinking right <laughs> verse 11 but naaman was wroth and went away and said behold i thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the lord his god and strike his hands over the place and recover the leper <laughs> so naaman thought it was going to be something more than just washing washing up <laughs> Something more than just getting into some water. He thought it was going to be something extravagant, something that was miraculous, that was just so, like, mind-blowing. But he's disappointed that it's something as simple as getting into some water. <laughs> Verse 12, Are not Abinah, now listen to what he's saying. Are not Abinah and Farah rivers of Damascus? better than all the waters of israel so this dude is like man look why the hell i gotta travel way to israel to the land of israel to get in the jordan river we got rivers over here i could get in and wash up so was it really about the water <laughs> let's read on may i not wash in them and be clean so he turned and went away in a rage now, why would he walk away? Why was he mad? Because, like I just said, he's like, man, I got water over here. What's the difference between that water over there and this water over here? They both were rivers, the Jordan River, the the the, the and the Far the Farah rivers. They both rivers, they both got water in them. So he was hot, walked away. Like, man, I, I could have just washed up at home. Verse 13. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, my father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great, to do some great, wouldest thou not have done it? <laughs> if the prophet told you to do something other than just something simple as to get in some water and clean yourself, wouldn't you have done it? If he would have told you to pat your head, rub your stomach, and jump around four times. <laughs> And hit a rock, and some water came out the rock that cleans you up. When you had done that, he says, "How much rather than when he said to thee, "Wash and be clean." So he's basically telling him, "Man, look, if the prophet would have gave you instructions to do something else, you would have done it. But now the prophet is telling you to do something simple as just wash up in the Jordan River. Shouldn't you do that also? So we see it wasn't about the water, it was about him following instructions. I hope everybody see this. It was not about the water. It was about it was about him following the instructions this prophet of God gave him. It had nothing to do with the water. Verse 14. Then went he down and dipped himself seven times, because this was a part of the instructions, remember, in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. So what cleaned him up? Him following the instructions that the prophet, the man of God, gave him. It was not about the water. I hope y'all see this. I hope y'all see this, man. Once again, the question is, does water make you make you mentally and spiritually clean? <laughs> the answer is no. What makes you spiritually and mentally clean? Following the instructions of the Most High. All right. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 13. That's a scripture i got to find too. Uh, Leviticus chapter 13. Let's verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man shall have in his skin, skin of his flesh a, a rising, a scab, or a bright spot, and it be in the skin of his flesh like the plague of leprosy. So once again, we're dealing with leprosy. Then he shall be brought unto Aaron, the priest, or unto one of his sons, the priest, because the priest, they deal with uh, issues of uncleanness. It says, and the priest <clears throat> shall look on the plague in the skin of the flesh, and when the hair in the plague is turned white, and the plague in sight be deeper than the skin of this flesh, it is a plague of leprosy. And the priest shall look on him and pronounce him unclean, all right? So to, be, to have your pigmentation slowly going away from you makes you unclean, all right? Your skin turning white makes you unclean. Verse 4, if the bright spot be white in the skin of his flesh, and in sight be not deeper than the skin, and the hair thereof be not turned white, then the priest shall shut up him that had the plague seven days And the priest shall look on him The seventh day And behold If the plague in his sight Be at at a stay, And the plague spread not in the skin Then the priest shall shut him up Seven days more So if it doesn't spread there's it's a process of Seven days here Seven days there Complete number of days Verse 6 And the priest shall look on him Again the seventh day and behold, if the plague be somewhat dark, and the plague spread not in the skin, the priest shall pronounce him clean. So, if the spot turns dark again like its other pigmentation, and they don't see no more spots, they say, "Okay, this dude is clean." Now, listen to what he has to do. After he's pronounced clean, after he's pronounced clean, is but a scab. And he shall wash his clothes And be clean (laughs) But remember He was already pronounced clean When the leprosy was not spreading So did the water Clean the leprosy up? No (laughs) It was not the water That cleaned the leprosy up hope y'all seeing this I'm going to read this again And the plague spread not in the skin The priest shall pronounce him Clean It is but a scab And he shall wash his clothes And be clean The washing of water The washing of his clothes Didn't make him clean The fact that the leprosy did not spread Made him clean Seven. But if the scab spread much Abroad in the skin After that he had been seen of the priest For his clean, cleansing He shall be seen of the priest again so the scab is spreading, verse 8. If the priest see that, be, see see that, behold, the scab spread it in the skin. Then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprosy. So it's spreading. <laughs> Did the priest say, hey, man, go wash up, we'll take a bath? No, he didn't because that was not going to help him. Because it was spreading already. Water was not going to help him out of this situation. I hope you all see this. All right. Now let's get Matthew chapter 23. Matter of fact, before I get there, man, I'm sorry, y'all. I got to find the scripture. I got to find this one. All right, here we go. I found it. Let's get Exodus, y'all. Exodus chapter 19. I forgot to put this one in. Exodus chapter 19. Let me see where I want to start it Um. Here we go. We're going to start verse... Let's go to verse 14 So Exodus 19 verse 14 And Moses went down from the mount unto the people And sanctified the people And they washed their clothes So Moses went down Cleaned the people up And then the people washed their clothes Now listen to this And he said unto the people and I'm not going to discount verse 14, water's being used, okay? Definitely water's being used. Verse 15. And he said unto the people, be ready against the third day. Come not at your wives. What is Moses talking about, come not at your wives? <laughs> Don't have sex with your woman. <laughs> be ready in three days. Be ready. So three days, you ain't doing the the, the nasty. In three days you ain't knocking the boots. In three days you're not uh, you ain't hitting it. Don't have no sex in three days, for three days. But why does he say this? Verse sixteen. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there was a thundering and lightning and a thick cloud upon the mount, and the voice of the trumpet exceedingly loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the at the neither part of the mount. Why was Moses telling these men not to have sex with a woman for three days? Because they were about to meet the Most High. And the Moses, I'm sorry, the Most High informed Moses to do this so these men wouldn't have their mind on what? on how they had just got busy with a woman, on how they had just did the bang-bang, did the wild thing with a woman. Now, mind you, these three days, they didn't come near their wives. They still had to do what? Wash up. They still had to wash their tail. They still had to bathe. But what was Moses trying to get them to understand? That you can't have nookie on your mind while you going to present yourself to the most high. Ain't no water going to clean that up. No water is going to clean that mental vision up of you hitting it from the back, of you in all type of weird positions and y'all doing whatever, and these juices all over the place. No water is going to clean your mentals up. So you need three days to, what they say, to decompress that, to unpack that, three days to get that out of your mind. Three days time, you should be good to where your mind ain't on that right now because you're going before the Most High. I hope everybody's seeing that. Water doesn't do that. Let's get Matthew chapter twenty-three. We're going to start at verse uh, 25. So Matthew 23, verse 25. This is Christ speaking. Woe well, unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye make clean the outside of the cup and of the planter, but within they are full of extortions. And excess, what is Christ saying? (laughs) He's saying, y'all are making your outward appearance to look spotless. Because remember, the Pharisees, they would be dressed down. And then they had the tradition of washing all the time, right? So they would appear clean, but inside, they were full of hypocrisies. That's why he called them hypocrites. They were full of extortions. They were extorting people. They were getting paid money. You know, like the mob would extort people for uh, protection money. The Pharisees was doing that. He said, "An excess, excess of what? Everything? The, The the Pharisees had an excess of everything. While the rest of the people were barely living day to day, living check to check." Hold on, hold on, y'all, hold on. (laughs) Oh. Mashava, can you come on out? Come on real quick and read this out. If you can. If you can't, I understand. I'll read it. I want you to come on real quick and read this, though, and bring it out. So Michelle just sent me this y'all from the Smith uh the Smith's Bible Dictionary on baptism. Oh my goodness. Are you gonna be able to come on out? Hey, shalom, 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 shalom. Hello. hello. Oh, there you go. God, I Yeah, you wanna bring this out out? I... Uh, which part, bro? Which part? Which part? What you just sent me on the uh, Smith Bible Dictionary. All right, con con con, got it real quick. All right, uh so everybody? Let me let me pull this back up from the Smith Bible Dictionary. Um, the word baptism. Baptism is well known uh, that ablution uh, or bathing was common in most ancient nations as a preparation for prayers and sacrifice uh, as an ex- a expiratory of sin. that It was an ancient custom, like, like what the brothers bring out. I'm sorry? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Mishawa, can you hear me? Uh, the call dropped. He's going to call back in, y'all. What well, Meshaba is bringing out in this definition, this beautiful definition of baptism, I guess I got to get a Smith's Bible Dictionary. I don't have one of those, but not only Israelites cleaned themselves up with water before they went into prayers or sacrifice, but all it says most ancient nations, as preparation for prayers and and sacrifice, are as Plunging or immersing the whole body in water, and this is done to none but adults. The necessity of washing clothes and the body in order to purify. Now, this is this is what I this is why I want to bring Mashabah home because this got me right here. The sense of smell is closely linked to memory. I want us to I want us to understand this. The sense of smell is closely linked to memory, and this is true, you know, because it's certain things, even to this day, I'll smell, and it'll, it'll give me like a childhood memory or it'll give me a memory of, of something I was doing at whatever point in my life. You know, like um, when I smell uh, beans cooking, <laughs> it brings back childhood memory of those days I didn't eat. I say those. I don't, I didn't like beans as a kid. And when... Hello, hello. Oh, we got Michelle back. All right, Michelle. Hey, my, my apologies. Let... My apologies. No, that's all good. I'm going to let you come back in. I'm on the point now where it says that uh, the sense of smell is closely linked to memory. To hear important press okay, hear the, hold on. You know, um, I can hear you, but something weird is going on here. Are you still connected to the show? Yeah, I'm still on. Right? Hello. Okay. So, like I was saying, y'all. Uh, this is true. I don't like beans, man. I don't like beans. Uh, it's not They're not my favorite. I'll eat them, but it's not like I'm going looking for them. Because my mama used to cook them all the time for my daddy. I mean, and, and I would get up in the morning, if I smelled beans cooking or I heard them damn beans hitting the, uh, the pot, I knew I wasn't eating that day. So I, I don't like these beans. She used to cook them all the time. But anyway, when I smell that smell to this day, it brings me back to those memories, man. You know, like even certain uh, perfumes or colognes might remind you of a person, reminds you of an event in your life. Well, I remember I used to wear this, and then it would lead you to what you were doing when you wore that fragrance. So, yeah, the sense of smell is closely linked to memory. It is. That's true. That's a fact. It says this is because the brain's anatomy allows olfactor signals to reach the limbic symbol quickly. I'm sorry, you back on? Anyway. Uh, yeah, perm- I'm, perm- I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm sorry about that. Uh, my computer has just just really flipped out. Uh, we're still. You're still on the show, right? Everything's still connected? Yeah, everything's still connected. All right, cool, 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 cool. Um, well. Did the, did the definition help? Man, the definition is fire, bro. In particular, uh, the second part where it talks about how uh, the smell, the sense of smell, is supposed to relate to your memory. Yes. That's the part I'm dealing with right now because this would definitely explain the the, sim, the symbolism between water and being clean, man. Chyna, cha cha chyna. And like I said, the most high had to use something that we were familiar with to get us in that mindset of our mentals being clean, as well as our bodies. Brother kind, great show so far, great show. The water, the water. I'm, I'm going to mute myself. All right, all right, cool. The water for that definition. Right. So I hope we can understand how water is symbolic of being purified in the mind. All right. Now, the question we're still dealing with is, does water make you mentally and spiritually clean? And we're getting the answer so far, no, it doesn't. We can continue to prove that it don't. So let's get Matthew chapter 23, and we were at verse 25. It says, War unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye make clean the outside of the cup. And of the platter But within they are full of extortions And excess So this is Christ talking to the Pharisees Who made everything clean on the outside But inside they weren't clean So they, even though they clean with water Even though they washed themselves In the, the, the tradition That we had Since the, uh, the Old Testament The days of the, the Levite priests, They were still doing that But they were still unclean Verse twenty-six. Thou blind, thou, thou blind Pharisees, cleanse first that which is within the cup, and platter, that the outside of them might that the outside of them may be clean also. So Christ said, no, nah, man, clean up the spirit, clean the interior, clean with the inward parts, clean your, your mind up, then the outside would be clean. But we, being the people we are, we want to clean outside in. <laughs> outside in. It's like it's like, uh, like you washing a car. <laughs> you know, you wash the car first, then you get the inside last. No, we're doing it wrong. We're supposed to get the inside first, then clean the outside. This is what Christ is telling the Pharisees. No, man, clean your spirit up first. Then you can work on the outside, the washing of water. Because you can wash all day the outside, but if the inside is still dirty, then the whole thing is dirty. Hope everybody's seeing this. Verse uh, 27. Want to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful artwork. A sepulchre is a, a tomb, man, where they have dead bodies at. So he's telling these scribes, they're like tombs that are clean on the outside, but, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Hope y'all see this. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous. Because remember, he was given analogies, metaphors, allegories from verse 26 to verse 27. Now he's getting down to the nitty-gritty, and he's speaking plainly so they understand what he's talking about. Verse 28, even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men. But within, ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. I hope y'all see this. So even though the Pharisees bathed, washed their hands every time before they eat stuff, Christ said that they were still full of hypocrisy and full of iniquity, which is sin. They were still off even though they bathe themselves in water all day, every day. No different than us. You can take two, three showers. you still dirty in the mind. you still mentally unclean, spiritually unclean. You got brothers banging on other brothers because they ain't got fringes on when these brothers got fringes on, but they sleep with other men's women. They got fringes on, but they treat their brothers like crap. When the, the law says to love your neighbors, you love yourself. They got fringes on, but they looking down on everybody else. How's it the law? But I thought that you wearing the fringes was to get you to keep the law. Hmm. Yeah, I remember what Christ said, too, man. He says, judge not according to the appearance. We look at people and think they're just all righteous when they ain't. Such is this whole thing about water baptism. It doesn't make you spiritually clean, y'all. It don't. Let's see what Peter said about this. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to read verse 21. To chapter 3 Verse 21 And it reads The light figure Where unto Even baptism Those also now save us hmm. See time time? Baptism do save us Listen to what he says Not the putting away Of the filth of the flesh <laughs> So he's talking about, he ain't talking about the baptism of John, because that's what it was, the putting away of the filth of the flesh. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. Do we see this? Let me read this again. First Peter chapter three verse twenty one, New Testament. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what is the what baptism is going to save us, the baptism of Christ that Christ was bringing, that baptism, we say he's going to with the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. We're going to find out what that means also. But the, the baptism of John, the dump, getting dumped in water, that does not purify you because it ain't about your flesh. It's about your what? Your conscience towards the most high. I'm going to prove it. Let's get Second Chronicles chapter thirty. Second Chronicles chapter thirty. We're gonna start at verse fifteen. <laughs> then they killed the Passover, the fourteenth day of the second month. So it's talking about us the Israelites. And the priests and the Levites were ashamed. So the priests, the Levites, which they, they implemented what? The process of purification. It says were ashamed. Why were they ashamed? It says and sanctified themselves. So they were ashamed. They felt bad. So they had to clean themselves up. See the symbolism? Man, we got to wash up. We got to clean our act up. Man, let's go go clean up. Let's take a a bath. Let's take a shower. It says, And sanctified themselves and brought in the burnt offerings unto the house of the Lord, and they stood in their place after their manner, according to the law of Moses, the men of God. The priests sprinkled the blood which they received of the hand of the Levites, for there were many in the congregation that were not sanctified. There was many in the congregation of Israelites that were not sanctified, meaning what? They were not clean. They didn't go through the ritual of bathing, and they weren't mentally clean like the priest. Verse 17, we know, therefore the Levites had the charge of the killing of the Passover for everyone that was not clean, to sanctify them unto the Lord. Verse 18, for a multitude of the people, even many of, the, of Ephraim and Manasseh, Issachar, Zebulon, had not cleansed themselves. Oh, they didn't wash up. They didn't go through the, the, the purifying process. Now listen to this though. Yet did they eat the Passover otherwise than it was written because you had to clean yourself up. Remember? We went over this. You couldn't come to the Most High any old kind of way. You had to clean yourself up. The ritual of washing up, of being bathed in the water, washing the pots and all that, and washing your hands. It says that men of the Israelites, they what? They didn't go through that. Now listen to this. But Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, the Lord, I'm sorry, the good Lord pardoned everyone. Huh? Wait a minute. So they didn't go through the ritual of washing up of the water? And the Most High did what? He pardoned every one of them. Hmm. He accepted their Passover sacrifice. He accepted the fact that they were praising him, even though they didn't go through the ritual with the water. Hmm. Verse 19, that prepared his heart to seek God. So why did the Most High look over the fact they didn't go through this ritual? Because they were mentally prepared to come before the Most High. Let me read this again. I'm going to read it in context this time. For a multitude of the people, even many of Ephraim and Manasseh, Issachar, and Zebulon had not cleansed themselves, yet did they eat the Passover otherwise than it was written. But Hezekiah praised for them, saying, The Lord God poured everyone every one that, pre- that prepared his heart to seek God. The Lord God of his fathers, though he be not cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary. I'm going to let that one sink in, man. y'all see that these brothers and sisters that showed up to honor the Lord's Passover, they didn't go through the sanctification and purifying process that they were supposed to go through. But the Most High still saw them as clean because they had a good conscience or a good heart towards the Most High. Man, I hope everybody's seeing this. It ain't. About no water It's not y'all Read it on Verse 20 And the Lord Hearkened to Hezekiah And healed the people What? (laughs) And the Lord Hearkened to Hezekiah And healed The people No I thought the water did it though I thought the water did it. No, it's your conscience towards the Most High that does it. Just like we read about uh, Naaman with his leprosy. He had to have a good conscience, and that's why when he went to the Jordan River, as opposed to going to the rivers in his country and ducked himself seven times, the Most High healed him because he had a good conscience. How we know he had a good conscience? Because he followed the instructions of Elisha. That's how we know he had a good conscience. All right, y'all. Let's go to uh go to Saint John chapter thirteen. Saint John chapter thirteen, let's go to verse three. And Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things unto his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper. I'm sorry, from supper. Now, this is the last supper, right? Right before Christ died. And he laid aside his garments and took a towel and gird himself. After that, he poured water into a basin He poured water to a basin, water, and began to wash the disciples' feet. Huh. Now, why would he do this? Because this was the process of what? Being clean. The purification process. This was something we was familiar with. And what higher honor is this than to have Yahashuah, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, washing your feet? Cleaning you up. But this was symbolic, y'all. Symbolism, message, and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Verse 6. Then cometh he to then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter said unto him, Lord, do thou wash my feet? Like, you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, what I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. It's like, man, you don't even understand what I'm doing right now. But you going to know it afterwards. <laughs> Verse 8, Peter said unto him, thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I wash thee not, this is what he's saying, Thou has no part with me. This is symbolic, y'all, for later on. For later on, this is what Peter didn't get. Verse 9. And Peter, man, Peter was something else, man. <laughs> he was always going back and forth with how to shout, man. Funny brother. Verse 9. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my feet. <laughs> he, what do you think, He a little boosy, wipe me down? <laughs> Say my hands and my feet Hands, feet, shoulders <laughs> taking a little boost so Anyway, let me stop clowning Verse 10 Jesus said unto him He that is washed Needeth not safe To wash his feet But is clean Everywhere You listen to what Christ is saying Here y'all Read it again verse 10 Jesus said unto him he that is washed needed not safe to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. Meaning, you should already be clean. This ain't going to make you clean. Now listen to what he says. And ye are clean. He said, yeah, and you clean, Peter. And all, all y'all clean. But listen to what he says. I'm sorry. He says, and ye are clean. So, Peter, you clean, but not clean. All, meaning what? Not all of the disciples was clean, even though he washed all their feet. But I thought water cleans you up. What is Christ talking about? He said, ye are not all clean. Verse 11. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said ye, ye are not all clean. Now, who betrayed Christ, Judas Iscariot? Now, Christ did wash his feet also, but he said that Judas Iscariot was still not clean. Why was Judas Iscariot not clean? Because he was setting Christ up to be murked. He had ill intentions in his mind. His mind was dirty as hell, even though, wait a minute, Christ didn't wash his feet, though. Now, this is Christ washing his feet. Technically, he was baptizing. <laughs> Technically. But remember, the Scripture says Christ baptized none. So, now nah, he wasn't baptizing. He was washing his feet. <laughs> but according to the church, to be dunked or submerged in water is baptism. So, Judas Iscariot being baptized So to speak by Christ The son of God Not John the Baptist The son of God So he should be definitely clean right No I'm going to read this again Verse 10 St. John 13 verse 10 Jesus said unto him He that is washed Needeth not say to wash his feet But is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. Oh, but I thought the water cleans you up. This is the Son of God baptizing this man. How all of them were not clean. Verse 11. For he knew who should betray him. For said he, ye are not all clean. This goes right back to what Peter was saying. Let's go back there. Let's go to 1 Peter, chapter 3, verse 21 again. The like figure were unto even baptism. doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. Answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Water does not clean your psyche up. Water does not clean your conscience up. Water does not clean your mind up. Water don't do that, y'all. I hope y'all are getting this. I hope y'all are really understanding this. All water is doing is just getting the dirt off your body. Peter just told us that. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. The heart, and the heart is the mind, y'all. I'm going to prove it. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So your mind is deceitful and is desperately wicked. Your mentals, our mentals. Let me not say, yo, let me be more correct, precise. Our mentals, all of our minds are filthy. All of our minds. I don't care how long you've been in the Bible, how long you've been in this thing we call the truth, Your mind is disgusting. This is why we need the Bible. Remember what the Bible says? It says that all scripture is given by inspiration of the Most High and is profitable for reproof, for instruction in righteousness. Yes, we need to be instructed how to be righteous. Without an instruction manual, we are beasts. We a beast, y'all. You remember David said this. I'm sorry, Solomon. We're going to get it real quick. I'm going to come back to this verse. Let's get to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 18. I said in my heart concerning the state of the sons of men, mankind, us, that God might manifest them and that they might see that they themselves are beasts. We're beastly, man. Look at an animal. When us say a beast, look at an animal. A man can be called a beast too. But for this example I'm about to bring out, look at an animal. Animals move and operate based off of what? Their instincts. And they don't care where they are. They'll be in the middle of the street eating a damn leftover pork chop bone or something somebody threw, chicken bone somebody threw in the middle of the street. They will go in the middle of the street not valuing their lives, not even thinking about their lives because the only thing they can think about, I want that bone. I need that bone. Everything else is irrelevant. They're not in their right mind. This is the way we are. This is the way we operate. We don't be in our right mind when we're in our flesh. We only have, we have tunnel vision. I hope everybody's seeing this, man. Let's go back to Jeremiah 17 and 9. The heart is the above all things and desperately wicked. Who could know it? So this, the heart, once again, is talking about the mind. I said I was going to... I said I was gonna prove that. Let me prove the hardest time of the mind. Let's go to Mark chapter seven. We're back to Mark chapter seven, because we we did it earlier. We read the verse four. Now we're gonna start at verse five. Mark chapter seven and verse five. Then the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders? but eat bread with unwashing hands. So why y'all don't wash up? Because that's the tradition. That's the ritual before y'all eat. Why y'all don't keep the tradition of the elders, of the, the Levites in the Old Testament and all of Israel right now? Everybody wash their hands. Everybody bathe. Everybody uh, still do the purification process, that ritual. Why y'all don't do that? Verse 6, he answered and said unto them, well hath Elias, this is Elijah, prophesied of you hypocrites. I'm sorry, Isaiah, this is Isaiah. Well hath Elias prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honored me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Heart once again is talking about the mind. So it says, Man, y'all look, y'all look and talk a good game. But y'all mentals are not really with me. I don't care how much y'all bathe y'all, y'all still don't believe in me, as the scriptures have said. Case in point, man, for as many people run around talking about they've been baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and people putting Christmas trees up in their house right now. And we know that's Nimrod. But they claim they believe in the Bible, and they've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. They've been baptized and all that. But you putting Christmas trees up. Talking about December 25th is his birthday. You will find that nowhere in the Bible. Everybody, all historical sources will tell you he was not born on December 25th. And what what your dumb simple self still do, still say that's his birthday, and you still put a tree up, tell you all day, show you all day, that's Nimrod. And you still put a tree up. This for the kids. But you claim you love Christ. You obey God. No, you don't. Read on verse 7. How be it in vain do they worship me? Teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. Even Christ said that, Man, y'all, y'all supposed to worship of me is worthless. It's vain. Cause y'all gonna do, the, y'all gonna do what men say to do rather than what God say to do. Men say get dumped in water, you be clean. <laughs> you ain't got nothing else to worry about. Y'all to do it, cause man told you to do it. Come on, man. <laughs> what what uh Wesley say? Let's kick the ballistics here. Let's kick the ballistics here. How many of y'all Have been baptized In church Only to go out The following day Or the same day And still be smoking, drinking Ain't no wrong with drinking But drinking too much Excessive drinking Ho-hopping Robbing and stealing Killing people But you've been baptized and that was supposed to save you from all of that, save you from your lifestyle. No, it don't work like that. It ain't that easy. All right, let me get back to my point, man. Verse 7, how be in vain do they worship me, teaching the doc, the teaching for doc, reading in verse 7, how be it in vain do they worship me, Teaching for doctrine. Doctrine is a way of life. The commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men. What's the tradition of men? As the washing of pots and cups and many of such like things ye do. The tradition of men is, let me dump you in some water. Now you ain't got nothing to worry about. Nigga ain't got no worries. Nigga ain't got no worries. You clean now. You ain't gonna sin no more because you've been dumping some water. That's nonsense. No water has made any man stop doing the wickedness that they do. Verse 9. And he said unto them, Through well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. What tradition? being washed in some water. But y'all won't listen to the word of God. But y'all listen to a man to tell y'all, y'all, y'all get dunked in some water, y'all ain't got no worries. Jumping down to verse 14. And when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. There is nothing from without a man that enter into him can defile him. Listen to what he's saying. There's nothing on the outside that can come into the inside of you and defile you. But the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. What defiles you? Ain't no damn dirt getting on you going to defile you. You get in some mud, you you defile? Because I know a lot of brothers have jobs where they got to, you know, get dirty and grimy. Is that defiling you? If you go out of your garden and plant some stuff, is that dirt going to defile you? No. Christ says the stuff that comes out of you, that's the stuff that defiles you. That's the real dirt, the dirt that's inside of you, the dirt that's inside all of us. Verse 16, if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. But a lot of people don't want to hear this. is what Christ had to say. If you really want some understanding, you'll listen. Verse 17. And when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning this parable. So his disciples didn't even understand what he was talking about, that the stuff that defiles you comes from inside. It's internal, not external. Internal is the things that defile you. They didn't get that. So Christ had to break it down for them. Verse 18. And he said unto them, Are ye so without understanding also? Do ye not perceive that whatsoever thing from without enter into the man, it cannot defile him? Because remember, they was talking about food. Because it entered not into his heart, but into his belly. That's where your food is going. It ain't going into your heart. And once again, the heart's talking about the mind. Christ's going to show you. It says, but into the belly and go out into the dry, purging all meat. He like, man, you will poop that stuff out. That's not going to defile you. That's why you have a digestive system to eliminate the waste of the food. So your body snatches the nutrients and uses the nutrients for energy and all the other good stuff. But the waste goes into your digestive system and comes. Out your colon And the other parts of your anus and Those are parts of your digestive system also This is what Christ was talking about purging all meats Verse 20 And he said That which cometh out of the man That defile the man So he said the things that are in you Those are the things that defile you Now listen to what he said. For from within Out of the heart of men Proceed evil thoughts This is how you know The heart is talking about the mind Because your heart ain't thinking It's pumping blood It's keeping you alive It's electrically charged But it ain't thinking about nothing That ain't the heart's job What part of the body Is it What part of the body Is it the job That's your brain Read this again verse 21 for from within, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts. So what's inside your brain that defiles you? Because remember he says that the stuff that comes out of man, that defiles him. The stuff that comes from within. Comes out of you from within. The stuff that comes out of you. What's inside of your brain? What are you thinking about? He says evil thoughts. So you may tell me if uh, all the members of the men, lovers, boy, whatever the hell them clowns is, those pedos, if all of them go get baptized in water right now, today, that when they get out of that water, they won't have the urge to touch on little boys' booty holes no more? Is that what you're telling me? Is that what I'm to understand about the water baptism? They won't have them evil thoughts no more? Or what about a sodomite? A fag. You mean to tell me if he get dunked in water right now, that as soon as he get out of that water, he won't have the taste for penis in his mouth no more? Is that what I'm to understand? That's how powerful the water baptism is? Or a sodomite a dike. Sodom After she gets dunked in that water, she just miraculously uses the taste for vagina. And now she like men just because she got dumped in some water. That's going to change her evil thoughts? I think not. i read this again, verse 21. For from, from within, out of the heart of the men man, proceeded evil thoughts. Adulteries. So if I get dumped in some water, and I'm an adulterer. So I like having sex with other men's wives. If I get baptized in some water, after I get out, I ain't going to have that feeling on me no more to where I want to sleep with your woman because the water is that powerful? I don't think so. I've been baptized before in water. when I was in the church, and I was still doing wicked stuff after I got baptized, same day. It says fornications. So after I get dunked in some water, um, if I'm a raper man and I just want to have sex with everything, if I'm a, uh, what they call them people that have sex with dead bodies, I forgot what the term is, but if I'm one of them people, because I got dunked in water, that feeling and spirit and urge has just left me. I don't think so. Murders. So because I got dunked in water, I've left the urge. The urge has left me to be a killer. The urge has left me to carry blinkies around and knock niggas off. That that urge has left me because the water is that powerful. Verse twenty-two. Thefts. So because I got dunked in water, I've lost the urge to steal from people. Covetousness Because I got dunked in water I've lost the urge To want what you got So much so I'll take it from you I've lost that urge It says wickedness Deceit So because I got dunked in water I've I don't know I no longer have the urge to be wicked as hell I no, I no longer have the, the urge To be deceitful and tell you one thing but I do another, I no no longer have the urge to talk you into something that I know is going to be hazardous for you, but it's going to be advantage for me. I no longer have that urge because water purifies me, lasciviousness, which means strong lustful desire. So because I've been dunking water, I no longer have the urge to have a strong, lustful desire to do, I don't know, um, the most wicked thing you can think of. It says, an evil eye. So because I've been dunked in water, and the water was so powerful, I no longer have the urge to hate my own people. Blasphemy. Because I've been dunked in water... I no longer have the urge to be running around saying that God loves everybody. Christ died for all people. Christ is a white boy. And that's that's changing my mind, right? Because the water, right? The water changed my mind. Pride. So because I've been dunking water and the water was so These things up y'all Water will not Clean these things up I want us to understand this I think I got time for one more Let's get uh, Let's get Romans chapter 7 Romans chapter 7 And let's read verse 14 For we know That the law is spiritual but I am cornal, sold under sin. And this is Paul speaking. He said that the, the law that the Most High gave us, that's what's spiritual. That's what puts me on a straight and narrow. But he says, us, we're cornal, man, meaning what? Oh, I'm sorry. He says, but I am cornal. meaning what? We're led by impulses. We're beasts, like, it, like uh, Solomon told us in um, Ecclesiastes. We're beasts. He says, so understand, uh, verse uh, 15, for that which I do, I allow. So what, matter of fact, I'm going to have to stop right here, y'all. I ain't going to go no further
0: because
1: I got scripture upon scripture behind that one. So just focusing on verse 14. We're really cornal, man. We're really cornal. And no amount of water that you get in daily uh by the hour, by the minute, by the second, it's going to clean you up mentally or spiritually for that matter. You're not gonna be clean it's not gonna happen. It's not. Water does not clean you up. We'll find out hopefully uh next week. Let me see if i Michelle wanna continue, uh even though we celebrate Hanukkah. But I'm continue this class hopefully next week, Lord willing, man. I hope y'all got some edification out of the class. I hope uh, it made sense. I hope I wasn't going too fast. If y'all have any questions concerning this class or any other topic, man, hit me up at 314-482-9110. Or if you just want to rap with a brother, man, you can hit me up also. But until then, man, I'm signing off. And for uh, FYI, I'm going to say shalom.